When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, WNBA fans? You are here sitting courtside with Christy and Gabe. I am Christy Winter Scott. And as always, sitting courtside with my guy, Gabe Ibrahim. Gabe, amen. My nerves are gone. This week has been incredible in terms of the thrill factor. So many great games and a big, huge dunk. I, yes. I can't. I mean, it's it's a lot for me. It's a lot. So it was all great. Like the last four days, three days, I guess. I don't know. Like this week of basketball essentially has been tremendous. We had, you know, Brittany Griner's dunk, like you mentioned. We had uh, Alicia Clarendon's almost buzzer beater than huge okay. clutch shots. We had, uh, what, 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 I'm missing one in my mind Kia, here. Oh, Kia Nurse. we had, well, Kia Nurse, Kia Nurse's thing came later. We had Courtney Williams game winning shot. We had too much. We had so much stuff going on Yeah. on the women's side, on the men's side. We're still in the NBA playoffs. We both, we, you stayed up to watch Dame last night. I had, I could not do anything after I the Kia Nurse shot. So I missed <laughs> most of it. I shouldn't and, have, but I did. And you know what I, what I did mention? I, I forgot to mention we had a big trade that we're going to talk about right now between the yes. Dallas Wings and the Chicago Sky. But also, we didn't talk about before we got on. Coach K is retiring I after know. this year. I know. I, I, you know, I'm still processing that, and you know, just a lot of love and respect for him and what he's been able to do. You know, when he first started coaching, no one gave him a chance. And they were going to fire him three years in. And the fact that that was the scenario out of the gates and now looking back and seeing all of the things that he did for so many men at Duke, including the one, the only South Lakes grad, Grant Hill. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, it back to back championships with him with with Grant Hill, 91, 92. I, I just know things about Coach K in terms of who he was as a coach for Grant Hill. And that's saying a lot. I mean, he has obviously great parents and in, in Calvin and Janet. But I tell you what, that's a third parent for Grant Hill mm -hmm. and Coach K and what he was able to do. And, and not just winning championships, but 
just molding teams. And you saw what he did with USA basketball and just his basketball acumen and just the, the togetherness factor. You, you can't understate that. And yes, yes, the X and O's magnificent, very strategic, very tactical, but it all boiled down to them doing it together. So a ton of respect going coach K's way and, you know, obviously was in the ACC when, when uh, I was a player back in the day and, you know, just reveled in, in watching and learning and watching his teams play and then coaching, you know, uh, on the collegiate side and just seeing how he was able just to mold so many different mm-hmm. players together. Not a lot of people can do that and sustain it. Some people can do it for a, a minute or two, right? But the way that he's been able to sustain that for 30 plus years Come on, man. I mean, come on. Just hats off. Shake his hand. Ton of respect for Coach K. Yeah, I can't stand Coach K. I respect him. I think that's the greatest compliment you could pay to someone <laughs> like Coach K. I can't I can't stand them because my teams, I rooted for Maryland. I rooted for UNC in basketball, yeah. obviously, in addition to Miami growing up. So, like, we had to play him a lot, and it was not yeah. fun. And I think Coach K is also like he's he, like those teams that he coached when we were when I was growing up, um, early two thousands. Like they could come back from any lead, and they're the reason why psychologically I'm always worried about a basketball game, no matter what the score is. Like any, and we're going to talk about this when we talk about the key inertia. Any game can be won. And I remember the first time I learned this lesson was a Duke team coming back from like twelve points down with a minute left against Kentucky at game. That game changed me forever because I was like, how is that possible? The math doesn't work out. And you learn that in basketball, it's not all about the math. It's not all about the X's and O's. Sometimes it's just a little something. And Coach K always gave that little something as much as I can't stand him because I do. And I know a lot of of our listeners can't either. Oh, I feel you because, you know, I thought you were going to say they were down 10 or 12 or whatever with a minute left at Maryland because I was at that game. That was another one. Gabe, I was at that game and it was like, 4,000 degrees in Coalfield House. Mm-hmm. And I was there watching the game, you know, pretty much about three rows behind the Maryland bench, sweating bullets. It's so hot in there and it's crazy. Maryland's up with a minute to go. Fans are jumping and crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, I have to be here at 6 a.m. tomorrow for workouts. I'm leaving, right? Because I was coaching at Maryland at the time. So I was like, yeah, let me let me head out. I got in the car, had a little walk, you know, like a little bit to get to the car, got in the car, popped the radio on just to hear, you know, how the game ended. And then, you know, the post game interviews on the radio. I was like, I'll just catch it on the radio. They were like, unbelievable. Duke came all the way back for the win. And I'm just like sitting in the car, staring at myself in the rearview mirror, like, what? Anyway, so I understand what you're talking about. I thought the game was in hand, 60 seconds up 10. And then that, that was not cute uh, for for the Maryland fans that night. But uh, yeah, I was I was shocked when I got in the car and, and the whole oh, table yeah. had been turned and, and Duke uh, got out of there with a win in College Park. So, yeah, I don't know. There's some kind of magic to that togetherness factor. I'm telling you, you know, oh, and it, it, it's a killer. It's, and when you get teams to buy into that togetherness and we're all out here, with fist balled up that this is us. We're not high fibers. We're punchers. And we're all together with that, that strength, not, not a lot you can do with it. And, you know, that's why it was more than just that one game. That's why it was the Kentucky game too. That's why it was several other games too. Like they just found a way to, to always get together. So I'm sure it's going to be um, very historical, you know, on his last year out, but 
um, everyone's going to be giving the him his just due. And as tough as it was, it is, I mean, respect, like you said, is what you get. You get respect, but it doesn't mean I like you. <laughs> um, no, but all right, I, I, we'll, we'll talk about the trade later because I did. Everything you said is exactly what I was thinking about when uh, the Phoenix Mercury were coming back against the Chicago Sky last night because it, it's yeah. too good of a segue to give up because yeah, let's go. This, this game was over. This game was over. There was there was no way. Like I, I looked at the. Um, Win probability and at with like two minutes left, the win probability for uh, f- uh, for Chicago was mm. at ninety nine point six percent with three mm. minutes left. Wow, ninety nine point three percent, and it, somehow it was a ten point game at that point. Somehow Phoenix found it in them to yeah. to win this game. Um, you know, obviously there's some Chicago missteps. But I think what really made the difference was what the Mercury were able to do, just stay focused and keep chopping wood, keep chopping yeah. wood. And that yeah. comes to, to me, it came from Co- Sandy Brondello saying, look, we're fine. We're, you, you heard her in the huddles. So it was really cool. She was saying, we're fine. We have time. We have time. Like, don't, don't get out ahead of yourselves. You just need a basket right. here. You need a basket. And they just kept chopping wood. Skylar Diggins-Smith was incredible. She had 23 points and I, she had 24 points, excuse me. And then Kia Nurse gets the ball. <laughs> she had Unreal. she had sixteen. She had fifteen points in coming into that last possession. She gets the ball. They have a timeout. Phoenix has right. a timeout, and she they decided not to use it because Kia didn't stop dribbling. So they're like, well, we can't advance the ball. So just keep yeah. going. And yeah. um, they and then Kia takes a. Euro step from the half court line, a Euro step from the half court line and just he's one up and it goes right in. And she said that was the only time she's, she's made a half court shot. In I mean, I, and I'll take that. And she's talking about it practices too. You know, at yeah. the end of practice, you're heaving those things up there and she never makes them. She said, I never make them. But my, my most favorite thing, well, one of my most favorite things about that moment was that right before she was interviewed post game, she checked her bun with both hands and like made <laughs> sure her bun was right. But I, I thought that was the cutest thing, but my goodness, Kia nurse for the win. I, I was hollering between Kia nurse and Dame Lillard. I had to get a tea today from Starbucks. I was so was into all the games last night, but I just thought that, you know, Skylar Diggins Smith also was in those huddles saying, Hey, we're, we're right here. And Kia Nurse said as much in the post-game interview. She said, you know, Skylar was telling us, you know, we're right in it. Stay with it. So when you have players saying the same exact thing that coach is saying, Sandy Brandella was saying, I mean, that's that's a good place to be. And when the players buy into that, like, yeah, we're all right. Like it might, you know, they hit a couple pitfalls, a little bit of a drought offensively. Mm -hmm. Things weren't happening for them. A little um, empty possessions back to back to back sometimes. But when it came down to the winning, you know, they did enough to get the win. And and they were smart enough to call that timeout. Obviously now, retrospectively looking at it. But obviously, you know, that's the that's the question, right? Do you call a timeout, set yourselves up and and get methodical about execution or do you let it flow organically like it did? And I mean, you, I've seen both ways find success. So it's and that makes it tougher because when you're coaching, you like to see, well, timeout is the way to go. 
or well, no timeout is the way to go. Yeah. But you just you just don't know. You just don't know. But that's the beauty of the game. And that's the challenge of coaching. And you just take your chances. I mean, it's either going down or it's not. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that was a crazy good look. The Euro took me all the way out. I was like, no, she didn't. Um, but that took me completely out. And then when it went in, I just I get chills right now talking about it, just how she got bum rushed by everybody on the team. And she sat down and it looked like Teresa Weatherspoon when she sat down on the floor and when she hit that dagger of a a half court shot years ago. Um, Now we're in our 25th year in the league. So Google what Spoon did in that moment. But she sat right down and it just looked exactly like Spoon. And she was just like in shock that it went in and everyone was like all over her. And it was just a moment uh, for Phoenix. And and you love to see that, right? No quit. Mm-hmm. No quit in the team. And, you know, Skylar Diggins-Smith is playing her butt off right now. And I mean, she's put up consistent, efficient numbers over the last several games. But I don't, you know, I think she's one of the players that, doesn't get talked about enough. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about marketing or doing all this. I'm talking about balling. Like she is flat out playing great for Phoenix. Also in the absence of Diana Taurasi, right? I mean, mm-hmm. she's out for another three weeks, at least, you know, two and a half, three weeks. So, you know, she knows that her team needs for her to be at her best. And that's what she's given up. Oh yeah. And I think it, the, the, it was Skyler. There are not many players in this league that you'd want with the ball in their hands in those clutch situations more than Skyler. One of them is, is, is Diana Taurasi because right. they're on the same team. So that it solves that problem. Right. But I just think in the last two years, this team's been a little bit snake bit, obviously with Bria Hartley's injury with Brittany Griner mm-hmm. leaving the bubble, Diana Taurasi's injury. Now you know, they've been a little snake bit with the injuries. I think yeah. what's kept them going and last year they made it to the second round of the playoffs on another crazy shot in another crazy game where yeah, they well. probably shouldn't have won that game. And they still <laughs> pulled it out because right. of Skylar Diggins Smith. I think mm-hmm. in large part because of her leadership, because of how calm and collected she is in those big moments. Mm-hmm. And I think this game was just another example of that, of being able to compartmentalize everything and understand right. what your team needs to do in that moment. And, and kind of let it go as well. Like that, that's what the challenge I think of being a point guard is understanding like when you got to just let things flow. And they kind of did at the end, they just kind of let things come to them. You know, Megan Walker had this, she had a fast break that was completely out of control and insane. Right. And like, she should have stopped. And, you know, maybe a, a different point guard tells, tells her to stop. No one told her to stop, but she just kept going and she got fouled and she got the line. Um, exactly. So I think Skylar's done done a really really great job, and I think she's going to keep this team afloat. Um, yeah. Also, Brittany Griner had a quiet thirteen and seven, but it's Brittany Griner. That's what we expect. <laughs> On Kia Nurse, though, she's right. having a really great ba- bounce back season. And I think is. a lot of a lot of people wrote her off, mm-hmm. um, and she did have she had a, she had a really tough last season in New York where she had an ankle injury. She was at being asked to be the the first option on this team and. He is a great player. That's not her role. So now she's coming back this year and her field goal percentage and three point percentage of almost doubled because of the look she's yep. getting. So yeah. I think Kia deserves a lot of flowers for what she's done early in the year. Cause she's a part of keeping them afloat. And you know, I, I, the shot was emblematic of what she's done this year. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you said it all right there. I mean, just with the fact that, you know, the roles that, that players want for themselves sometimes are different than 
what the coaches want for the players. And I think she has found a, a level of comfort in Phoenix in terms of falling right into place seamlessly in terms of what Phoenix needs from her. And I think, you know, with her skill set and her efficient numbers, especially this year, as you said, all of her numbers going through the roof and almost doubled in, in some instances. I mean, how can you how can you like look her in the face and say, you know, you fell off or anything like that? Like there's no there's no such thing as that. There is such thing, though, as being in a great situation, having a great fit with um, a philosophy or how a team is playing and and what they like to do. And the way that they're utilizing her is, is very impressive to watch. No question about it. But when you have Brittany Griner out there as well, I mean, you know, she's steady. She's getting the job done. They definitely miss her presence. Bria Hartley, hopefully she'll be back sooner than later with that ACL from last year. But, you know, everything that I, I've seen her post or, or anything like that is always positive energy. She's like, I'm almost back. I can't wait to get back out there. So, I mean, it's just unfortunate that Diana Tarazi is hurt because I, I think she was trying to make another run to the USA basketball and the Olympic team this year one more time. Um, and that's why, you again, you hate what happened in 2020. You know, um, it, it just takes away opportunities for, for players. And hopefully she'll be back and she'll be able to compete at that level and, and with the Olympic team once again. But it's just so it's so frustrating. And I hate injuries just in general, but mm -hmm. in sports and the timing of things, it's just so frustrating and it's something you can't control. So, you know, hopefully she'll be able to come back, obviously for Phoenix, but hopefully she'll be able to give USA basketball another crack as well. Well, I think nurses play also gives me a little bit more hope. Um, that they'll be able to stay afloat for a while. Cause I was, I was really concerned about the offense, just like kind of cratering a little bit if there's yeah. not enough spacing, but yeah. I mean, I, the Skyler, Brittany Griner pick and roll is doing just fine. It's uh, and then if you, if you add <laughs> Kia nurse hitting shots, you add Megan Walker hitting shots, another player who really struggled last year and is coming into this year playing a lot better. Um, I think I think you got a team that can stay afloat, and then when Diana Taurasi comes back, I think you got a contender. But we have to see. I mean, it's yeah. still early, and they're playing they're playing a depleted Chicago Sky team. Um, and Diamond Shields was great up until yeah. her last decision, which was tough for her because she they she didn't they just didn't know about the there's a play where uh, the shot clock had had restarted essentially back to 14, yeah. but it was at one and they didn't communicate that or it wasn't communication. And she shot it really fast and yeah. gave uh, Phoenix some hope. But uh, outside of that, outside of potentially losing yeah. the game for your team, she played great. Um, but on that Skylar digging Smith, Brady Griner pick and roll, uh, Brittany Griner had another dunk. Uh, I know. It, it, so it was the fifth, I believe it was the 15th dunk of her career. Um, right. She's accounted for the vast majority of dunks in WNBA history. This one was a, it was a, it was a devious play. Honestly, it was an empty corner pick and roll with Skylar Diggins Smith and Brittany Griner against a, against Christina Nigue of the Dallas wings and no one came to help. So Brittany yeah. Griner had an easy runway to the rim. Um, but I, I'm interested in what you think of the reaction to Brittany Griner's dunk, because to me, I'm always like, that's awesome, but I'm always worried that we're making too big a deal of it because it's something that, you know, in, in our game on the women's side, it just, it doesn't happen that much and it's not going to happen that much. So I'm just always worried about 
making such a big deal out of it when mm-hmm. we have so much other great stuff going on. Well, I just think you said it uh, almost right there. He said, you know, it doesn't happen that often. So I think when it does happen, it is a big deal. And it is mm-hmm. something for, for younger girls to, to watch and see the possibility of that for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it needs to be magnified and, and discussed and, and not just a, like it's a regular play. Cause it's not, yeah. right. It's, it's, you know, it's extraordinary and you have to give credit where credit is due and, and not overblow it because yes, there are so many great things about the WNBA, but at the same time, it needs to be highlighted. It needs to be discussed. Little kid, like 10 year old girls, they need to see that, one day they could do that. One day they could be on the list of names like Lisa Leslie and Candace Parker and Michelle Snow and mm-hmm. all these other dunkers who have, have really made names for themselves in the league. So, I mean, Brittany Griner is just one of many. And she's, you know, she wasn't the first and she won't be the last, right? And Lisa Leslie was the first. So there'll be other players coming behind her, but those kind of highlights, those are inspirational for those kids to see. I mean, and and I'd love it for me to see the game evolve that way and to see the dunk become something that has um, evolved in our game. I I think, you know, stand up and and clap for that, you know, (laughs) Give, give credit for that. And and yeah, I mean, the rims don't need to be lowered. We don't no. need, um, you know, to wear uh, swimsuits, uh, you know, as uniforms to bring people into the games. I mean, the WNBA women's basketball is a beautiful game to watch. Tactically speaking, you don't need to zhuzh it up or do anything to mm-hmm. it. Um, and then just let the game evolve organically like we saw a key nurses shot evolve organically, right? I mean, it's like, just let it flow, let it go, let the game grow to what it can be. And and that's in the eyes of the next generation. So give them that, you know, give them that. Don't, don't take that away from those kids who are wide-eyed, not blinking and watching that happen. An empty corner, drive to the rim, that it turns into a, a massive dunk for Brittany Griner again. Let it let it be. Let it go. Let it, you know, celebrate that for what it was. And, you know, she'll get another one and somebody else will get somebody else will get it. I mean, it's that's that's what it should be about. It should be about, you know, our game and the evolution of it, our game and the inspiration that is giving the next generation. And, you know, I don't I don't know if you can overdo it or underdo it, but it needs to be done. Like, how about that? <laughs> you got to talk about it. Yeah. No, it's, I, I agree that it should be. It, it definitely should be amplified. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think we're we understand it. And that's all that matters. Like we have like the WNBA <laughs> had like we yeah. we are gaining fans and that's awesome. But we also have enough of a community here to build the the boat of women's basketball um but that being said she will get a lot more dunks if dallas does not decide to help off the corner when britney griner is has a wide open lane to the rim someone go help there's don't just part. let her don't just let her go and run and dunk on you like yeah. go at least foul her i mean i yeah. don't know 
I mean, so, I, I, think, I think a couple of the help side defenders made a business decision business. to get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's a business decision. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and head out. No, they, 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 didn't, they didn't step up. <laughs> don't end up on a poster. Uh, she that's had right. 20, she had 27 points and 16 rebounds. Jesus. She had 27 points and 16 rebounds and four assists. Um, because she, I mean, she dominated Dallas and, yeah. Oh, God, when Brittany Griner is going, I'm not sure there's a more fun thing to me just because it's it's like it goes back to that primal basketball instinct of like, wow, these people are huge. Like this, right? These people are very, are very large <laughs> and I like seeing them do things. Yeah, um, so, uh, yeah, Phoenix doing great. Chicago, as we mentioned, not doing great. Um, they are in flux a bit because of injuries to Candace Parker, because Allie Quigley is out, because yeah. Stephanie Dolson was at the three-on-three tournament. Dolson's coming back. Quigley is coming back. Parker is still out with an ankle. Yeah. But they made a move, um, which was interesting. So the terms here, as Richard, uh, our own Richard Cohen of her hoop stats, <laughs> tweeted out um, that the Chicago Sky traded Shyla Heal, their first-round pick from this year, um, along with their 2022 third round pick and a pick swap with to Dallas for Dana Evans. Um, the pick swap essentially means that if Dallas, well, it doesn't essentially, it means this. If Chicago finishes above, uh, below Dallas in the standings, no, wait, no, no. Yeah. So if, if uh, Chicago, hold on. Now I'm confused. No, you had it right. You had it right. Yeah. If Dallas finishes better, hold on. Than Chicago? No, yeah. Okay. If Chicago finishes better than Dallas, which means they finish with a, a worse draft pick, then this pick swap does not matter because Dallas right. is not going to trade down. But if Chicago finishes with a worse record and has a higher draft pick than Dallas, then Dallas has the right to swap picks. Okay. I there got you. Go. See, I'm the cap genius on this podcast. There you go. I love it. Um, that being said, Dallas did immediately wave Shiloh Heel, and they're doing that because they need roster spots for Satu Sabli and Alicia Gray, who are coming back this week. That was the reason why they traded Dana Evans. Um, so Dana Evans is in Chicago. Stephanie Watts, who was a first-round pick this year as well, who was traded in the Gabby Williams trade, also got waived because the team Chicago needs roster spots because right. they have to bring back Lexi Brown. And I'm not going to sit here and explain the whole hardship <laughs> thing, because if you thought I was confused like two seconds ago, it's going to be way more confusing <laughs> if I start doing that. Uh, so they, ba- but what they need to do is wave her and bring her back in like a week when they have more cap space to bring her back. So right. all these machinations, Leave us with Dana Evans on Chicago. She's there because she has a little bit more experience, she's a little bit more WNB ready and shall heal. And it leaves heel and Stephanie Watts, two first rounders in this year's draft, currently on the waiver wire. Um, so if my explanation wasn't too confusing, what are your thoughts there, Christy? Oh man, no, it was very clear. You know, I, I just think that it's first of all super tough to comprehend that two first rounders are on the waiver wires. I, I feel so badly for them. And, you know, and I also feel badly for the GMs and coaches because it's not like they're, they're doing that in a malicious way. It's a business and they're trying to make it in terms of what's best for the team and what's best for the team financially. And it is just so tough. It's so tough. And Lexi Brown had been waived, you know, a couple of weeks ago, came back, played great. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely not about what these players are capable of doing. 
it's about the finances and fitting everyone into uh, uh, you know, into a square, right? So it's like, it's like the, uh, a round peg in a square <laughs> shape, you know, sometimes or the other way around, whatever. But it, it sometimes it's just, that's just what it is. You know, it's not necessarily about what you can do as a player. No, it's about, you know, financially what teams can do with contracts. No. And it's, it's, it's just mind boggling um, for, for GMs and coaches, I'm sure. And it's hurtful for these these kids who, you know, had a little bit of a taste of the WNBA and now they're on the waiver wire. But as Lexi Brown can attest to, that doesn't mean that you're done. Mm-hmm. Right. It just means that there's a pause in play and maybe there's another chance for you with somebody else. So, you know, I'm sure I'm sure they have explained that to those young women that this is what we have to do for right now. But that doesn't mean that's the end of your story yeah. in the league. And, and that's that to me is probably the hardest thing to sit down and tell somebody, you know, that has worked so hard to get there, made it, got drafted in the first round. And then, yeah, by the way, right now, this is what we have to do um, business wise. And that's that's tough, man. I, you know, I don't envy that conversation um, at all, especially, you know, knowing that, you know, they they're probably crying. They're probably sitting there yeah. distraught. And probably nothing that you're saying is going to make that moment any easier. Uh, but you have to say what you have to say. And so I, I don't envy that in the coaches and GMs and, and going through that kind of conversation with those kids. Yeah, I don't envy it either. Um, I just I also think that there's a certain amount of you're if you're competing for a championship, you don't tend to want rookies on the team. That's just like it, I, I'm not saying that's not a comment on the quality of the rookie. Yeah. Right. It's just. If you've never played in the WNBA before, you're not as ready for what we're asking you to do as someone else who has, especially Charlie Hill, who is 19 years old. She's she's one of the youngest draftees this year because she came over from Australia and this team is trying to win a championship and she's not she's not quite ready to contribute to a championship level team. That doesn't mean she's a bad player. That just means she's not ready for it this year. Um, Whereas someone like Dana Evans is is maybe a little bit more ready because as we saw in her entire collegiate career, she's hit big shots. She's been in the big moments and she's a little bit more mature. And those years between 19 and however old Dana Evans is, she's probably 22. Like that's a big deal. That's a big, that's a big developmental change between 19 and 22 rather than, you know, 25 and 28. Right. So it, 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 there is an aspect of we're competing for a title and we need some, we need something that you can't give us. Right. And goes for Stephanie Watts. I mean, she was playing 14 minutes a game. So it's not like she, she wasn't good enough. However, I do want to criticize uh, Chicago scouting. Because they knew all of this, all of the things I just said, they knew coming into the season, like they knew that they were going to be trying to compete for a title. They knew what they had on their plate and they knew that they needed a backup point guard to play this year, not not for the future. I mean, also, in addition to having a future concern, like you needed a point guard that could play this year and where they were in the draft. I think most of us would have told them that the most WNBA ready prospect you could get at that pick is Dana Evans. That's why we had her slotted. A lot of us had her slotted in at that pick. Uh, so yeah. I think it's, yeah. I mean, I understand the appeal of heel. That was that rhymes. Um, oh, bars. <laughs> and, and I under, I understand like the idea of it, but you knew you were going to try to compete for a title and you didn't set yourself up for that. And now you've kind of had to give up assets 
And yeah. you really hope that you're better than Dallas this year, right? Like that's what I'm be watching for. Like I hope this season doesn't go belly up for Chicago, but if it does, it's going to be really funny because they're going to have to trade first, round, you know, like they're going to have to trade first round picks with Dallas. Um, so it, to me, I think it's just a, it's a failure of scouting and understanding what your needs are and what the person that can give you that is. Um, and Stephanie Watts too, like you have to like, the Gabby Williams trade, like Gabby Williams yeah. is a part of this team's future until this season when they had some sort of disconnect and she was dissatisfied with, with what was happening. And right. maybe the team didn't want to pay her next year. So then you, you recoup some value by bringing in a first rounder. Well, you just waived the first rounder. Right. So what was the point of even making that move? You know? you so That's right. I don't, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's a failure of scouting for Chicago um, and a bit of poor planning. And of course it doesn't matter if they win the championship, but it'll look bad if they don't. Yeah. Well, it's tough. I mean, who knew that Quigley and Parker would play in the first game and then not play for a stretch of games mm-hmm. right there. And, and that's, I mean, that's that chemistry. And like I said earlier about injuries, me hating them. Um, that's another reason why, cause I, you know, I want to see Candace back at home in Chicago playing well and healthy and doing great things. So I know she's extremely frustrated. I mean, they had that back to back game with LA, mm-hmm. those two games, uh, in Chicago and lost both of them, um, without Parker on the floor. So I know that did something to her. Yeah. It's just tough. And I know she understands it's not like she's, you know, in the doldrums because of that situation. I mean, she, her ankle was really badly sprained. Right. Um, so we, we understand that, but I mean, I know how fiercely competitive Candace Parker is and I am so sure that she was waiting to play those games in Chicago in a Chicago uniform and, you know, against her sisters, like she, that's what she calls them. So, I know that was difficult for her to um, not suit up and play in those games and not to have Quigley on the floor. That's been tough too. And Sloot, I mean, uh, Vander Sloot is terrific. She's leading the league in assists for a reason, just over seven assists per game. I mean, she's fantastic on the floor, but then, you know, when the pieces start falling, Dolson's not there, Parker's not there, Quigley's not there. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, but she's still able to do what she's doing on the floor and making the players around her better, whoever they may be. So it's, it's a tough, uh, tough, a tough hand, you know, Um, that they've been dealt in terms of those injuries and in and out players um, because of other situations and obligations. So I just, you know, hopefully uh, James Wade and the, and the group, you know, they'll uh, bounce back and start stringing some wins together and getting some of the players back and healthy and see what they look like when they're all together. I think at the second half of the season, I've said that, you know, too, about the Washington Mystics, like once they have every single person there and healthy, ready to go, you know, it'll make a difference. I mean, Sydney Weiss is now out for the Mystics. So it's like, it's, you know, the ins and outs and the injuries and the situations that way, super frustrating, but how can that benefit you in the second half of the year? And I think that's what we have to look at with teams like Chicago and teams like Washington and Phoenix for that matter with Tarazi and everybody being out and Bria Hartley second half of the season, what that, what that will look like for those teams. I think that is something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, Look, you make a mistake and now you fix it. And it costs you that much. A third round pick doesn't is not that valuable right. uh, in this league. So they they I think they're in a better spot than they were. Um, mm-hmm. I feel for Shyla Heal, but again, she's 19. She'll be back. She'll be back. I'm yeah. I, I very positive that she'll be back. And I think Stephanie Watts will also be back 
soon. Maybe even this year, because yeah, like never know. There's, there's so many injuries in this year, and, and some of it goes back to something that we've said, and I think every podcast this season, it's going to be disjointed, it's going to be weird, and it's going to be feel a little stop and start at this beginning stage of the season. Um, right. And I think that's that's where we're at. Um, it doesn't really? help too that like some teams just like like Dallas only played like two games. They, I think they played one game, had a week mm-hmm. off. Now right. the Mystics had what the Mystics have played four games, five games, and they have a, week, a week off. off. Yeah, and it's I, I mean, what, what are you going to do? That's a schedule, but uh, it, it is a little weird and disjointed when that happens. Um, so hopefully, as the season goes on, players get healthier, we get a little bit more of a cohesive feel to the season, uh, especially when we come back from the uh, Olympic break. Uh, right. The other team slash game that I want to talk to you about, it, playing on something we talked about last week, Las Vegas and Connecticut. Uh, they played yesterday. No, yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. They, you'll be yeah. hearing this on Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday right. night. Um, and the Wizards are actually in it with the Sixers. But that's I that's know. not WNBA, so that's not what we're talking about. But that I is know, interesting. That. <laughs> um, so. The Sun played the Aces and the Sun won 74 to 67. Obviously, this follows the uh, situation with Liz Cambage and Kurt Miller. And they actually they, they made up at the beginning of the game. Sure, um, sure. And Kurt apologized. Yeah. I don't think that mattered a whole lot to Liz. Uh, she put up 28 points on 11-17 from the field. Yeah. It's one of her best games, really, in, a, in an Aces uniform. I think right. she looked great, and I think she should do that more often. Um, yeah. So she played great, but the Sun still won. So I was wondering what your takeaway from that game was. I mean, my takeaway was that Liz Cambage was waiting to play that game. Um, and while, <laughs> yeah, while the apology and everything that was civil as it should have been, um, mm-hmm. I think they, you know, had a nice discussion ahead of the game and you love to see that. Um, and again, we were talking about, you know, Brittany Griner's dunk being something that is inspirational uh, for kids to see. But it's also good for kids to see something like that as well. Um, you know, mistakes are to be made. We're all human. And and that's what it is. So I think for her to go out and go 11 for 17 from the floor and have a season high of those 28, because we know her career high in WBA record is 53 mm-hmm. points uh, back a couple of years ago. Um, you know, she has the ability to score the ball and she got touches this time. I think, you know, she went into that game, I believe averaging about 13 a game and to go off like that and, and double that. Plus um, I, I thought she was very intentional of what she wanted to do offensively against Connecticut. But on the other side of it for Connecticut to come away with the win, I thought that they played great, especially down the stretch. Um, Jasmine Thomas was, was amazing. Again, um, she's, she's really a force to be reckoned with John Quill Jones I mean, mm-hmm. Dewana Bonner. I mean, this is a team right now that is playing. You're not going to mention at, one Terp on that list? Come on now. At, at, uh, and Brianna Jones. I was getting there. Come on. <laughs> there are four Terps on that team. So, yes, we know. Um, but it was, uh, I mean, just to have them playing so well, Gabe. Gabe, they're playing great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm like really, I'm not, I don't want to say amazed because that's not the right word. I am, I'm thrilled to see how well they've come together, yeah. you know, in the absence of Alyssa Thomas and how different that makes them as a team, right? Um, before they played the Mystics, 
Um, you know, I was talking to Mike Tebow about that and how different they look and what makes their team different now without Alyssa Thomas. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because she basically never came off the floor at Thomas. Alyssa Thomas never came off the floor, played huge minutes. They, the ball went through her, but he said, you know, there's a lot more spacing, you know, the, the ball is shared a lot more, um, with Bonner being there now who, you know, they didn't have John Quell last year. So they have all these different pieces in, and like we were just talking about how intriguing that is, but the way that they have all their pieces and how they're new to one another, like Bonner and John Quell Jones are new to one another. The fact that they're playing at that level with great chemistry early on is impressive to see. And it's fun to watch that style of play. And Brianna Jones is playing great. I mean, this is obviously um, her best year statistically in the league. And, you know, she's getting more minutes. She got more minutes last year in the bubble. We mm-hmm. get that. But I think now, you know, she's really coming into herself and coming into her game and, and the expectations of what she should be doing on the floor. And I, I think that's really been fun to watch as well. So I think that it's, you know, it's something that remains to be seen whether or not they can sustain that throughout the year. And I, I think there's no question that they will be able to um, because, you know, chemistry doesn't come and go. Yeah. Right, either. Once you got it, you got it. <laughs> exactly. So the fact that they have it early is, is really something to keep an eye on for WNBA fans and some fans. What I love about Connecticut, not just this team, but th- this franchise is they have mm-hmm. an identity. And I think that, that, is kind of what we're getting at. Like, yeah, they have a lot of chemistry, but yeah. it's not built on the list of Thomas is an epitome of that, but so is Justin Thomas. So is John Cole Jones. So yeah. is Bree, Jan- Bree Jones. Like you have all these players that epitomize the toughness and the defensive togetherness that this team has built their franchise on. And, and that's the cornerstone yeah. of the franchise. And when you have something like that, that's when you start to see success as a repeating thing, it becomes, it becomes a habit because you know what you're about. You know, the things that you have to hit as a team, you got to do X, Y, or Z. And then, you know, you're going to do it every year, year in, year out. And I think you look at the great franchises in basketball and the WNBA and in the NBA, they all have identities. This is what we do. And I think Connecticut's yeah. is built on the defensive end um, on being on, on the, the, that string that they, they're so good at rotating. I don't think there's a better team in the league at getting defensive rotations in than the Connecticut Sun. And I think, it, you know, if Alyssa Thomas was here, I think the thing we were saying last year was Alyssa Thomas, it, it breeds all that off of her. And now she's not there. And yeah. you see, well, okay, now they have John Cole Jones, who's an MVP candidate, who I think is, yeah. is going to be in first or second MVP this year. Um, and she does everything for them. You know, she, on the defensive end, she, uh, stops shots at the rim. She'll get out and switch on guards. She does everything on the defensive end and the offensive end. She, right. It's the same thing. Like she'll hit threes, whatever you need from her is what she does. Um, yes. I think just that versatility and that commitment to defense as a franchise is what's pushing them. And I think it'll lead to a nuller. Uh, deep playoff run, and I'm sure at some point, someone out there is going to say, oh, this Connecticut team doesn't have enough, or they can't win without Alyssa Thomas, or they're just a bunch of role players or something stupid, and we're all going to have to hear about the disrespect again. (laughs) Not on this podcast. 
We respect uh-huh. you. Not, not on this podcast. But I tell you what. Now, this Connecticut team, you know, they are are built with a uh, mental toughness mm-hmm. that you know, once they have it, like I said, once they have it, they have it, and I think they have it this year. And, and you know, yes, you would love to see Alyssa Thomas in the mix with John Quell Jones and Tawana Bonner and, and Bree Jones playing the way she is and Jasmine Thomas and all the pieces. But this is what they are this year, and it's pretty darn good. And when they get Thomas back next year, that's when we get to see that combo. But but for right now, this Connecticut team is for real, and, and they look great together in terms of their chemistry. Yep, and I want to see this matchup in particular again. We saw it last year in the semifinals, and it was awesome. And I think if we see it, if we see it again this year in the in the semifinals, because that's when we get the series, it'll again be awesome because this is this is a fantastic matchup, especially now with the two both teams running a two big system. This is a really throwback kind of game, but you don't. Yeah. In theory, it is, but you don't have throwback bigs like John Quell can step out. Uh, Liz can step out. Asia is now developing a three-point shot, and you have and you have Bree Jones, who I mean, she is traditional. She gets down low, but she can do a little bit more than that too. So, I love the matchup. I think it's going to be. I hope it's going to be um, something we can see in the playoffs because these two teams are. It's a heavyweight match. Um, yeah, I do want to. I want to point out something just in case Bella and Beer is lifting. Uh, oh. So the Las Vegas Aces five and three on the season. Uh, in their five wins, they shoot almost 15 threes a game and they make 37.8% of them. In their losses, they shoot about 11 threes per game and they only make 24% of them. Uh huh. So this goes back to the, the constant criticism that we on WNBA Twitter have of the Las Vegas Aces <laughs> of just shoot more threes. If you right. shoot more threes, things tend to go better for you guys. They were 0 for 5 in the last game. And to me, I'm just like... try it just just try it see how it feels just try taking a bunch and you'll see you'll see if it goes well for you um that's that's my soapbox i'm not i won't say anything else about the three-point percentages from las vegas hey stats Um, don't lie stats don't lie you know it's not like you're just making that up i mean if that's what it is then you know Put it, put it to use. Put it to good use. Stats don't lie, but people can use stats to lie. Uh, <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to get into from uh, the past week of WNBA action? Uh, I just I just love that there were you know a ton of overtime games. Mm-hmm. I just love the excitement of the league right now. You know, New York is one of those young teams who you know are trying to turn the corner teams just trying to get healthy and gain that chemistry. I just think we're at a, a great spot right now. I, I understanding that in about three and a half weeks, they're going to be taking a break for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I just think right That's now it's the momentum. Say it again. That's in three weeks. Uh, maybe a little more than that. Three and a half. Maybe it's a month. Maybe, oh, you know, God. like, yeah, the beginning of July. I know. Right. But I think for where we are right now, I, I think it's just thrilling to, to see these players playing the way that they're playing um, and just laying it all on the line. You know, Lasia Clarendon, you know, got waved, came back and was crazy good in yep. Minnesota. And then Lexi Brown got waved, came back crazy good. You know, these players, they, you know, they, I don't think they get enough credit for staying ready in a lot of different circumstances, um, regardless of whether they're rookies or have been in the league some years now. I, I just think it the resilience of these women 
is epic. And the way that they are just tremendous examples for all of us is amazing to watch. And that's why I love it. And I know, you know, viewership is up 45% Mm -hmm. this year for a reason. I mean, the skill set and the product is terrific, but at the same time, you know, I think what the league stands for is also uh, a pillar to the success and why more people are watching. Yep. And they're watching a great game. They're watching great players play it. The best in the world. Okay, let's be clear. So to me, that's just a pulse of of where I am feeling, what I am feeling and, and where I am with my thought process on what's been going on in the league and just looking forward to the rest of it and the Commissioner's Cup and all the other exciting, you know, intangibles that are going to be moving forward as, as players come in. Um, and and see if who who comes back in the second half. Like is Emma Miesemann coming back? Like we don't know. Like there's so many things that we don't know. But um, keeping us on the edge of our seat, and you know, like I was on Kia Nurse's shot. You know, I, I almost popped a hammy trying, you know, <laughs> jumping up on that one. So I mean, it's the whole the whole league has has that level of excitement to it, and that's what makes it great. And shouts, and we don't we don't have time to talk about the Atlanta Dream because I do want to watch the fourth quarter of this Wizards game, but. <laughs> Shouts to the Atlanta Dream because I think they epitomize a lot of what you just said. Toughness. Their their coach left. Um, their uh, president of basketball operations got fired, um, or he left. I'm sorry. Uh, Renee, it, it, a whole new ownership group, new stadium, brand new everything. Everything's everything. in flux in Atlanta. They're still winning ball games. Have a 1.6 yeah. net rating, fourth best net rating in the league. That Courtney Williams doing Courtney Williams like things. So you gotta get you gotta tip your hats to Atlanta for being tough and staying ready and not they don't care. They don't care about what the opposite is in front of them. They're gonna try to win games and they've done that so far. So I'm I'm really happy for them and I will be exploring a little bit more of what Courtney Williams is doing um in a YouTube video soon that I have to do. It's just there's been too much news. I, I know to that's right. <laughs> now she's a stone cold killer. That step back the other day. I mean my goodness. Like just legit. And I just love the fire because you know running back she was like I'm a bad girl or something she said. I was like you're right. I was like you're right. That sounds about right. I was like that's you are because listen that was tough. That was good stuff. So well, I know we're gonna see more of it because it's like every week is like another building block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're gonna get something crazy this week. Don't worry. I know it. But as always, it's been a blast chatting with you, my friend, right here courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christy W. Scott 51. And Gabe, where can people find you? At Gabe underscore Ibrahim on Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow at Her Hoop Stats for everything. Although you should do that. If you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, I'm just going to assume you do that. Um, right. And then on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, you can find me at Ball and Order, where I talk about men's basketball, which is also exciting. So it is. There's a lot. Is. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, that's great where you can stuff. catch me. That's right. No, great stuff. Always, all hoops, all the time. Courtside is the best place to be sitting for all of that. Hey, more stuff ahead next week, right here on the Her Hoop Sets Podcast Network. Game out. See you then.